Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piskor. We're going to look at the father of psychedelic art here today, Ed. Before we crack open Blacklight, the world of LB Cool, I want to ask all of our uh, viewers out there to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon next to the subscribe button. You will be notified whenever we post new videos. This will give you a leg up on the uh, kayfabe effect. You'll be the first ones notified when we put some cool book under the spotlight here. Give you a little bit of a leg up in the race to uh, eBay, Amazon, your local comic shop to track down some of these great comics. So be sure to subscribe and hit that icon and let the videos play to their end. That'll help YouTube uh, share our videos with other comics fans who have not found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. It's a huge help on uh, growing this channel. So thank you for that. Going to look at The World of L.B. Cole, Blacklight. This is a comic that Fanographics published. A big book, big oversized, beautiful book. You can see kind of the the, the greatness of this thing right from the get-go, the saturated colors, which is where the Blacklight reference comes from. And uh, biography by Bill Shelley to open this thing up. So a really interesting artist. And one of those things, once everybody starts reprinting and digging through comics history, you start to see these people, you know, emerge. And I'll Be Cool is not an unknown that somebody found, but he's somebody that was new to me because primarily active in the golden age. Yeah, the the sort of early groups of comics fandom were would be like uh, the underground dudes in a big way. So his name came to light for me from from interviews and stuff I read with um, Robert Crumb, who was talking about the interesting golden age artists that he would look at outside of the Bigfoot cartoonists. And he was looking at Jay Disbrow. He was looking at L.B. Cool as uh, inspirations. And there's a period of art that Crumb did that you could you could tell that that's where uh, some of the stuff that he was looking at when he was starting to do, like extend beyond the, the Bigfoot stuff, get more representative. And and by the way, go back like like just even some of the title stuff there. Like you could you could see that you know the the underground guys Crum, Crum would take some of that kind of. It's a good point because even in addition to like the style that you, that they might lift, it's even that generic suspense comics. Like right. this would be a prop in some some story <laughs> about comics. You know, favorite four. You know, it's uh, it's kind of a funny power comics. You know, it's it's the height of that golden age era where it was like just putting out products and this intro by or biography info by bill shelley is really great like we've seen a couple of pictures of lb cole scattered throughout here some of his like drawings and behind the scenes stuff his wife who was very active in like co-running his business with him it's from the 80s yeah yeah uh in the 80s has a resurgent like he does the cover for uh the buyers no the price guide the overstreet overstreet price guide yeah and uh, does some shows, you know, like he's kind of um, reappreciated. You know, I don't think he was ever lost, like I said, but does get that second round. And so there there was fan demand for like, hey, I want this cover or, or you know, can you do a painting of this version? Say this three times fast. <laughs> yeah, very close friend of Dick Trickle from uh, NASCAR. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he you know, he had a resurgence. And the thing is, like, he leaves comics more or less after the uh, comics code and uh, goes off and has a very successful career as an illustrator and uh, even as a publisher beyond comics, but doesn't end up like, uh, you know, penniless or heartbroken because of the comics. So, you know, he, he has this run that's memorable in comics, but then goes on to decades of commercial art elsewhere uh, 
mostly as a result of, I think, you know, the collapse of comics after the Golden Age. So, again, this book does a good job of kind of giving us this overview of a very successful commercial artist, like these paintings, you know, covers that he would do for other projects. You know, and you can see where they appeared as well as like the original paintings or in some cases recreations of these paintings. And it shows you his range. Yeah. Like, again, you think of we're going to see a lot of black ink on most of these pages, but not the only way he could work or see. Yeah, it's really cool, man. Like a very accomplished I illustrator. These are great. These are John Stanley uh, comic books that we should look at at some point because they're, they are a break from the typical John Stanley. It'll be cool doing covers uh, for them, you know, why they're included in here. But uh, here you get, you know, some of that information out of comics. And it's awesome to see Bill Shelley, you know, writing. Yeah, man. Shouts to Bill Shelley. He's a, he's a favorite of the Kayfabe channel and uh, left behind a, a gang of amazing books with Kurtzman. Harvey Kurtzman yeah. with L.B. Cole. So, you know, a guy who I, I think he liked comics. It wasn't like some people who, you know, had disdain for the industry or whatever. It just happened that as the uh, opportunity shifted, had to move on. And this is one of those recreations of one of his covers. But, like, how how amazing is this? Yeah, like, it's, it's so cool because, like, when you see the pulps, you see that he understands color theory and design and stuff. But all bets are off with comics. And it's like, use every color. Like, it's about color. It's about bombast. It's about spectacle. Circus, if you will. And, uh... Do some stripey fucking fish, man. He like if he's like Bob Ross and he's painting his own happy little world. That happy little world is gonna have Roy G. Biv, and more often than not, it's gonna be hundred percent plate values. This is uh, you know, this video is is father of psychedelic art, and that's what you're seeing with those saturated colors. You know, even before being able to do spot colors necessarily, you could still do those primary colors in high saturation. And one of the interesting parts of his story to me, I mean, even like. What would be a normal, it's a bird, you know? What's psychedelic about it? Well, look at the colors he puts in the feather patterns. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like even this kind of stuff, it's a Western aimed at young readers, but you get this kind of wild background colors of flames all around. And um, he did a little bit of commercial, what would be work for hire today? Didn't like that, wanted to work for himself. And what he did, he and another guy were going to uh, like an auction house where a publisher, a comics publisher, was selling their inventory. They were getting out of the business. And so uh, he was going to try to buy this. And this is how a lot of these golden age publishers, how they worked. It's not that you had a staff of writers and artists. You had an editor who was buying the stuff from, you know, the Igor shop, the uh, Simon Kirby shop, these different places. And so whenever this comics publisher is going out of business, Cole shows up to buy all the stories, several hundred of these stories, and partners with another guy who was there to do the same thing. And they realized we can bid against each other or we can go into business together and uh, save some money. And that's what they did. And so Cole becomes like his own his own boss. And what he concentrates are on are making the covers for those comic strips, which was the formula in the golden age. So that's what you see here. And uh, as we continue flipping, you're going to get uh, a lot of different genres that he was publishing, you know, a lot of stories that he bought. And it's interesting to me how those stories floated around because they that's what would get reprinted repackaged like eerie publications you know would just repackage old stories that had already run because some company bought them you know it wasn't like the copyright went back to the original creators you would just get a big stack of stories and now you were good you you were ready you had you had a bunch of comic books ready made that's earth <laughs> how amazing is that and one of the places you'd expect him to do black in the background he does blue yes so much of his comics though are this kind of black background I love these plain ones because we look at, you know, World War II 
comics, often with Warren Bernard, so we're kind of conscious of these war comics. Adding that kind of psychedelia to war comics, you would think, what? How does that work? Great. I, it works amazing. I mean, if you would have just showed me that, I would have said, yeah, that, okay, that's that, that old period Basil Wolverton. Like, they, these yes. guys were contemporaries, and uh, so I feel like someone was feeding off of someone. Look at that stuff, dude. Like, this is like Lou Fine. Everything's inked with a brush. That's what he talks about that. And, uh, you know, again, not an unknown guy. So there are interviews out there with him. And you can find him talking about his craft a little bit. But uh, all the ink stuff, he says, is with a brush. And that he could ink the finest line, as fine as anything you could draw with a pen. Yeah. Romance comics. Again, you know, we always talk about how romance comics were this huge genre in the golden age. And uh, whenever you buy 300 comic book stories from a publisher... You get all kinds of stuff. Funny to see him doing like this, again, psychedelic. I don't know what other word you would you would describe for some of these like patterns and things that he's putting on top of, uh, of these covers. Like this is just astounding. I used to get these, they were foam and they would have like a little plastic propeller. Oh yeah. And they, they would look like, they look like a bunch of planes, but I remember these ones that had like two pieces of plane. With that rubber band propeller? Yes. Yeah, man, I had those. <laughs> How about that for just wild perspective? <laughs> I love the plain stuff, though. It, it kind of surprises me because I don't think I have any comic book like this in my collection. Yeah. And they look so cool. You know, it's the dogfighting. Like, I think of Alex Toth's and, you know, some of the, the EC war comics and things. This is a very different version of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think of the rules and mandates of DC Comics, which which was at the time, like, no dogfighting because it's static. It's boring. I think about the uh, that Howard Hughes flick that... Uh, that Scorsese made when when it's showing Leo like looking at some dogfight footage and he's like, "This isn't shit." Like it's just it's just a plane against a blank background. Like yes. there's no action to this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's ways to figure that out. And I don't know if I said this is a Fanographics publication, but Jacob Covey on the design, and I think this is a a masterful design. You know, it's oversized. It's the saturated colors, and then we'll get these pull out quotes from time to time. It's neat to see an artist that, okay, we're, we're looking at horror and it makes total sense. And then you see romance and it's like, that looks good too. Now, of course, crime being one of the big uh, golden age genres. That's funny. And it's how does he approach crime with this type of style? <laughs> yeah, that's great. This is what he loved. This is what he would go into whenever he leaves comics is like uh, field and stream, you know, hunting, fishing kind of uh, commercial art. There's your, your Dick Cole there. Say, say, say it again, <laughs> quicker. We're going to see it a few more times. <laughs> so we looked at three Dick Holes. <laughs> that one's getting a little bit close. <laughs> I mean, that should have been shirts and skins. Yeah. Dime Comics, Eagle Comics, they're so generic, and it perfectly complements his style. His style has, uh, you know, I think of Charles Burns a little bit, uh -huh. in that it's so precise it almost looks like it's some kind of machine or you're using you know french curves or something to do every line and this is a funny section because we really don't have anything like funny animal comics anymore and uh look big, at him going frank king big big uh yeah big genre once again you know and you'd think that funny animals and i guess they survive past the comics code but really they die out pretty early on i like seeing them kayfabe the anatomy yes such good, like, the the craft of the inking is really impressive to me. Also, the fish are funny. Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comic books that Ed Piscor and I make. Available now in your local comic shops or online wherever you buy comics and books is Red Room, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. 
Season 1, Antisocial Network, available as a collected trade paperback. Season 2, Trigger Warnings. Issue 1 is now out. Issue 2, coming soon, if not already out whenever you see this video. Banned in 26 countries, banned in 7 comic shops, but they can still order them for you. So be sure and ask for it by name. And the rest of Ed's bibliography available still in print. WYSIWYG, Portrait of a Serial Hacker. X-Men Grand Design, three oversized treasury volumes of that. And Hip Hop Family Tree, four oversized treasury volumes of that as well as, well as two box sets. But what do you have, Jimmy? And coming to comic shops in March and April, Hulk Grand Design, a reimagining of the 60-year history of The Incredible Hulk, over 500 comic books, over 10,000 pages condensed into two oversized issues telling the complete story of The Incredible Hulk and available in several beautiful eye-catching covers. Marcos Martin, Peach Momoko, and cartoonist Kayfabe's own Ed Piscor. And coming in April, Hulk Grand Design Madness, covers by me, Ed McGinnis, and Jeff Darrow. Also available in comic shops and book sellers. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive from Image Comics, A Homeless Ninja on a Skateboard, and The Plain Janes with writer Cecil Castellucci, possibly the first uh, young adult graphic novel here in America. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. His horror is the best stuff, though. Ghostly weird stories, death ship. You could imagine these things, many of them as blacklight posters hanging on the wall. Guns. How about that perspective? That's awesome, right? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about kayfabe, and that's a really fun perspective, but man, that guy's a little off. And he got those ninja claws from the back yes, of he does. Black Belt magazine. <laughs> Probably from inside here, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's another one. It's kind of the same idea, you know, hanging out a window and cool perspectives on there. Sharks making a lot, of, quite a few appearances. Funny to see the motifs that run through whenever you're looking at hundreds of his comics at once. But a very prolific guy. And like I said, a guy whose work was celebrated enough that it made it through, you know, a couple decades in his absence. Never really goes away. Man. Uh, did you see the Mad parody? Yes. There was a book on those. Remember that? It was, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but so many of those things that you never even hear of. Pretty striking is just a red cover. Think how much that would stand out on your stand. Totally. How boring, dude. Like, <laughs> uh, the chaplains at war. <laughs> it's funny, too, to see, like, Bible stories, and then you turn the page, and it's like, yeah, this is a long way from Bible stories. And it's straight up like the devil from the Twilight Zone episodes with the like the tights. Look at the double lighting like and the choices for orange and blues and yellows and blues for it's the double lighting colors, on everybody's man. faces. You know these green Westerns. faces. Outlaws. Teen, you know, the Archie kind of knockoff stuff. Like the the lesson here for me is like if you're going to use all the colors like like just just use them in every place like like, allow the entire image to just fuzz out with color. I love this cover with the snow. Yeah. Yeah, go nuts. And that's what he said. Like, he would go in and see there were so many comics published in that time period in the late 40s and early 50s that he said he looked at the stands, like the wall of comics, and was like, primary colors. You know, it's, it's almost a no-brainer. Again, with the psychedelic... If you just saw the line art, it doesn't say psychedelic. It's right. really his application of color that makes it pop. He also talks in this book, and I'm sure in interviews, about his use of black and the idea that, like, it's where our imaginations fill things in. Um, you know, something you might hear a horror horror movie person talking about, but uh, it was something that he keyed in on very early in terms of design and, uh, and uh, using it for comics and covers, you know, just let that reader's imagination fill in those those dark spots. 
So not only did the comics code go against like all the words and the titles in EC Comics, but something tells me that that uh, LB Cold didn't fare very, very well because he's using all the terror horror type. Yeah, absolutely. Hyperbole in his works. He leaves. Uh, well, he shuts down shop shortly after the comics code happens. I love like this is one of my favorite covers. Just period. Feels like fuck a tour. Yeah. You know, like I wonder if Carnes knows that. He must know this stuff, right? I, it looks like it, right? If he doesn't, uh, Jason Carnes, this episode's for you, buddy. <laughs> go, go check this guy out. You enjoy it. I think you enjoy his uh, sense of color. Uh, but he, you know, after the comics code is implemented, as you say, a lot of these comics just aren't going to survive. Speaking of that fine line inking, man, look at some of that stuff. Yeah. This is bizarre. <laughs> it's a death machine. Yeah, with like a Hitler villain guy. So weird. Totally weird. Um, and he doesn't leave comics right away. He does some stuff with Classic Illustrated and uh, goes to, I always forget if it's Dell or Western. Um, whoever that big publisher is, though, like the all-ages publisher from, from the 50s, and works under Helen Meyer for a while uh, there. And, again, doesn't like not being the boss and, you know, heads out on his own, starts doing, uh, doing like, field and stream kind of illustration jobs and publishing that kind of a magazine. When you see these devils, I know that Glenn Bray commissions people to do like devil drawings. Like, like he he must he must be aware of LB Cool also. Yeah, I bet you. I wonder if there's some stuff. There's got to be LB Cool in his collection. I thought this is you know a lot of these small ones. It's easy to miss. But how great is this with an octopus attacking multiple figures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good good shapes on that cover. Terrors of the jungle, like drawing all those different animals. Perfect. And he knows what to like. You know, that's a bust. And these kinds of animals. Yeah, it's all stuff that would be in trouble with the comics code, right? Now now we go from horror to sexy women, and you have terror in the title. Not going to work. But the animals are something that you would see, especially patterns like a zebra in, uh, in psychedelic art, in blacklight art in the 70s. It's amazing what he's doing with color. And just, just seeing how, like, you could chart what's hot in comics... With, with with the stuff that he's doing because so like sheena queen of the jungle was out you get your funny animal period like maybe harvey comics really started kicking you got your lev gleason uh ec comics that, that are out there you got kirby and simon charles bureau with his uh crime does not pay right you know, you're seeing these cars blow up and stuff in the background again with the psychedelic you know like he's doing everything this is just a swimming pool you know it could be so boring and instead he's dropping in yellows purples oranges greens against purple and red bricks <laughs> yeah right that's funny it's almost um like you're colorblind or something applying some of these colors or like a kid's intuition or something where it is like use every color you've got yeah and a lot of the patterns you know checkered shirts these kind of uh swirls and things in the background using serpent for, for this cover. It's amazing. Twilight Sky. Just great details. And I think that it speaks to... Uh, that's pretty good, too. I think that flashback face is being red kind of behind this guy. You know, at, at, alone at war, remembering his love back home. The lettering on that is very pop art, also. I think a lot of this stuff is. You know, like, I think you're right on whenever Whoa, you... Whoa, he straight up did. Like, when he's at... That, oh, that's Gladstone. That's this new. is 1995. Yeah. yeah, this would have been a new piece, which again I think is interesting that he comes back 20, 30 years later and uh, continues to to contribute. You know, to be a guest at New York Comic Cons and uh, do the Overstreet Guide covers and yeah, do uh, a Disney cover. Just 
great art. I wonder how much of the actual originals have survived, like in the pen and ink right. version. Yeah, probably. And then so here's few. stuff outside of comics, um, book covers, magazine covers, spot illustrations that he would do. I'd like to think that there was like some exclusive club with these fringe guys. Like this guy would know Eric Stanton and stuff like that. Yeah. And Bill Ward. Yeah, Rod and Gun. You can see that kind of uh, sportsman's magazines. Yeah, it would be great to think of those guys. And I mean, it's what we do whenever we look at this stuff and you make these lists and, and tag different artists or compare them. You know, like we're kind of assembling that. You know, Basil Wolverton you mentioned and you do see lots of that in his work. And you can see like the guy's a craftsman. It's it's not just limited to, uh, not a savant, you know, it's not right. Fletcher Hanks. Right. Yeah, and here you go right here, medical illustration. You can't be, you can't be too uh, imaginative with that or else somebody might die. These are cool, too. I, I'm not sure what this is from. It's, it says an unknown project, but something with skate punks. <laughs> Gotta love it. Like, uh, at this point, he's kind of a, a, a late middle-aged, uh, you know, older dude doing <laughs> skate punk art. That stuff is very disturbing. Probably the most disturbing stuff I've seen in the book. See, here it says, uh, this is your original art for the cover of Target Comics, and few examples of Cool's original cover art still exists. Uh. So... Nice to see a little bit, but um, yeah, unfortunately, I guess a lot of that's been, been lost to time, which is surprising because, again, like he and his wife managed his art as a business. So you would have thought that maybe that stuff would have stuck around, but that could just be the way, um, you know, like printing was. Like, I don't know if this stuff's even returned to you in, in the 1940s and 50s. It just, it just feels weird to dispatch your stuff that way. Like, like I, don't, I don't feel like that that's like... I feel like that's fighting nature. You know, it is, but consider the book we just flipped through here. The majority are from his publishing time, which is a couple of years. You know, they were putting out a lot of products. This is a recreation from, uh, from modern times, 1981 recreation, but based on one of his old covers. And several of these are recreations where you do get to see, like, you know, this is the pencils, but, again, from the recreations. But at least you get to see a little bit of his hand. But, you know, like, I think the reason, Ed, that that stuff wasn't, one, it's almost like you just don't think about things sometimes on your own. And I don't know if people were thinking, I want the art back, take care of the art. Right. Until you come in contact with somebody that's doing it. And then the other side of it is you're running a publishing business where it's like, we've got 20 books going to press this week or this month. It's just hard to keep keep it all. You know, these are skeleton operations because, again, you bought 300 stories. It's not like you're running a bullpen or have a bunch of staff. It's a couple guys putting out, you know couple hundred books over the course of a few years so an amazing book like one of these whenever i talk about it being a golden age and being able to get into these reprints i can't imagine reproducing this better than they've done yeah absolutely man jacob covey really you could tell that he was inspired and, and felt cool and you mentioned our crumb early on ed you get a nice big uh, magenta R. Crumb quote there on the back. His covers are really noir, spirals, figures falling down through space, big spider webs. The colors are all totally primary, just bright red, blue. They really work. And that's the truth of it, you know. And that's, uh, again, going back to this idea that this is psychedelic art really 10 years before psychedelic art becomes a thing. Yeah, incredible. So fun to look at. Great eye candy. For the cartoonist kayfabe I was going to say that at the beginning of the video, like this is going to be one of those uh, eyeball <laughs> eyeball episodes. Uh, keep your eyes on the screen for this one. But um, it's more of that Golden Age stuff. And it, it really makes me think there's a lot in Golden Age comics that I haven't seen yet and that I, I 
each piece I see, I feel like I want to see more of it. Yeah, like there's there's that whole thing where you know the students of the game, the people who are digging, the people who who are in the bins, like looking at old stuff. It, it, it's it's never stopped, right? And hearing Paul Karasik tell the story of when Jerry Mori- Moriarty like hips him and Art Spiegelman and the Raw Magazine crew to uh, two Fletcher Hanks before they even had the name for the dude. Or maybe there was like, it could be one of several names of this creator, but it's definitely the same guy because look at that neck, you know, that kind of shit. Uh, There is stuff out there. There's a lot of material that was put out on the stands and a handful of names survived, but there's probably more. And that's that's the fun of it, right? Like that's why why we are in the bins. Yeah, absolutely. You good to go? I am. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design Monster Number One should be out there. Uh, By the time you see this video, go to your local comic shop, pick it up. Uh, Probably too late to pre-order or ask for it now. You just gotta get get there and hope they haven't sold out of it yet. Uh, Retelling 60 year history of the Incredible Hulk in two oversized issues. And uh, you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see how I put that book together and how I make a lot of the comics I make. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue number one on the stands uh, today. Going to be coming out on a monthly basis for uh, for four months to complete the, uh, the trigger warning season of comics. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in the Red Room uh, universe. And you could... Uh, pre-order these comics you could order them directly from fantagraphics get them at your local comic shop banned in 26 countries and seven comic shops but those seven comic shops will order them for you if you ask for them so uh pretty cool that we're like a behind the counter kind of enterprise at this point uh, you can read the comics before they hit paper at my Patreon, patreon.com slash edpiscor. Three bucks for the archive there. Got more Patreon subscribers in the past week than I have uh, in the past year. Thank you so much for that. And uh, you can get to all these links in my link tree in the description below this video. Jimmy, what else? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, given the marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.